You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Good evening. Tony Groves. Evening, gentlemen. And special guest, Taylor Burris. Good evening, everyone. Hey, and we're expecting others. Adam Jocelyn will be joining shortly from our team. And uh, hopefully also James Pike, uh, your buddy over there, Taylor Burris, uh, from Podium Esports. So, uh, Taylor, welcome back to the show. Uh, It's been a while since you've been on, uh, but you've been busy, and we've been talking about you guys uh, uh, when the Road to Pro. And uh, tell us about your involvement and the Road to Pro uh, broadcast and uh, how that came about and uh, what you guys thought about, uh, uh, you know, having the opportunity to broadcast that official racing. Well, the Pro Series, the involvement with that was quite phenomenal, working with Cisco and Drew, and, of course, James, the voice of Podium East, is just phenomenal work. And I got to say, the racing in Pro Series it was phenomenal last year. Of course, this year we will be covering the Road to Pro Series, which I'm looking forward to. A lot of great new young talent coming up, as well as some returning favorites coming up through the field for us. So it's going to really work out. I think it's going to be a lot of excitement, a lot of action. Okay, so you did the Pro Series and then the upcoming Road to Pro. You're going to cover that, which runs every couple weeks on Tuesday nights, right? Yeah, that is the plan for the. All right, very good. And then, of course, this week we have our Speed Weeks kicking off. We've already got three races done, and then uh, we got a couple more races here lined up. We have the Xfinity race, which will be on Thursday night, which is here right now. And then, of course, later on we'll have the duels on Saturday, and then the big show Sunday afternoon with the Podium Esports Network Daytona 500. Yeah, and you guys have uh, quite a hosting of events here this week. I think it started with uh, the super late model on the second night of Speed Weeks. Garrett Maines won that. Um, and I also saw on Twitter here that uh, the third night was the uh, James Crahula uh, won. And then uh, coming up, to, of course, the Xfinity race. Well, we also can't forget on Monday night, we had ourselves a dirt sprint car race Monday night at Volusia Speedway Park with Dylan Thomas taking home the win in the sprint cars, which was a phenomenal battle, seeing him dominate as well as the rest of the field. I mean, Dylan Petty also put on a great show battling for second and third between him and Eber Martins was a great battle for that. And then, of course, last night, the Tuesday night race with the super late models, another dominating performance by Garrett Mains was able to take home, actually steal a win away from his teammate and New Smyrna was quite phenomenal. Him and uh, Blake Near battling out was quite ex- ex- exciting battles. And then, of course, the like, Xfin- the older Canon race with the at Daytona was a phenomenal race. Okay, and it all builds up to the 500. Tell us what the procedure is if you're an iRacer racer and you wanted to be in this podium 500. How do you qualify in to get into? The- well, you first have to register, which you can go to podiumesportsnetwork.com to register for the Daytona 500 Speed Weeks. Uh, you have to pay an entry fee as well as you know register with the car with your car team and driver. Uh, then on Friday night, we will be qualifying for the top two positions. So the front row will be set and qualified. So if you are able, have a car fast enough to qualify on the front row, you will be set and locked in for Sunday's race. Then on Saturday, Saturday is probably going to be just as busy and hectic as any other day in iRacing. 
Take the Chili Bowl, for example, that we just had not too long ago, and put it on a super speedway with these stock cars. We are doing about anywhere between seven to eight heat races, plus last chance qualifiers. And then finally, by the time this all rolls around, at around 9, 10 o'clock at night, we will have to grid the field with the two dual races that will end later in the evening. So all I got to say is on Saturday, make sure y'all tune in to Podium Esports Network to watch all the great coverage. You know, that's going to be so fun to watch. And I'll be at work and I'll be able to watch on my phone. I don't know if I'll be able to hear you guys call the race because I'll be working. But I'll be watching because these little heat races are 20 laps, one right after the other. And and that's going to be fun. It certainly is, and it just adds a new essence with this with sim racing. I mean, we see that happen in racing as far as in late models as well as also in other forms of motorsports. But to see it happening like this with the NASCAR Cup cars on iRacing at Daytona is just phenomenal, and it's a great job of what Podium has done to kind of incorporate that and actually expand the world of sim racing with this. Right, and so you can race your way in, and uh, guess who joins us here? James Pike, uh, thanks for popping in. Uh, we're just talking about your uh, speed weeks coming up. Uh, I was just saying the heat racing, uh, that's pretty exciting. A big thanks to you on the iRacers Lounge podcast for having me on once again. Literally just jumped in from the checkered flag on some of the dress rehearsals for the broadcast for the ENASH Car World Championship Series that you'll see coming up next month. And uh, we're, we're doing some cool things that I definitely can't talk about right now, but uh, plenty of stuff going on in the war lab. So keep your eyes peeled and noted on the iRacing Twitch and YouTube and Facebook and all that jazz. But yeah, a little bit of fun before we get to that with Podium Esports Speed Week. Sounds like you guys were already talking about the uh, Daytona 500 where uh, we're going to have a very busy weekend uh, all across the Podium Esports Twitch channel tonight. Uh, in, oh, about, what, hour and a half, give or take, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll have the Xfinity cars racing at Daytona for 100 laps, 250 miles, and then Friday night, 9 to 11 p.m., we'll have, I think, four servers up for qualifying. Drivers pop in, dump uh, two laps out on the World Center of Racing, lay down a time, fastest time, gets a free scheme from IRAPS, fastest two times, lock themselves into the big show on Sunday, and then uh, yeah, heat racing, like you said, Saturday is going to be busy because we're going for 10 hours straight and uh, 150 drivers now registered as of about maybe 20 minutes ago. Uh, going to go at it between eight heats, two last chance qualifiers, and two dual races to whittle themselves down to the fastest 43 to take the green flag on Sunday. And the winners of the two dual races will get clubs from the Brazil Race for USA. And then Sunday... 200 laps, 500 miles, cash prizes, and a rig from SimLab, courtesy of our friends at Sim Motorsports, to the winner of the Podium Esports States on a 500 show. Really, really big event. If anybody wants to hop on board, it's podiumesports.com forward slash Daytona hyphen 500 for rulebooks, registration, all the information you want to see. We've got about, I think, 10 or 11 of the World Championship drivers registered. I know Jimmy Mullis just got in a little bit earlier, so... If you want one of those rare opportunities to try and go head-to-head with some of the best of the best, normally you don't get that because they're so often racing a fixed and a open, but this is one of those rare cases, sort of like the U.S. Open in golf or tennis, where if you qualify, you can compete right up against the best of the best. That's part of a big part, I think, of the Daytona 500 and the way we try and set it up, and it's a rare opportunity for you to go toe-to-toe. It doesn't matter what your eye rating is or what your safety rating is. You'll have the chance to race the best of the best. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, the 
this league that you've built up and specifically this event, it's, it's definitely a prestigious event to win. And, uh, of all the league 500s that are going on this week and next week and so forth, uh, and you know, around the Daytona 500, I think you guys, uh, have some of the best drivers and stiffest competitions that 150 people, uh, a good, I'd say half of them are like really, really good drivers, you know, high, high rating, like you said, a hand, more than a handful of pros are going to be involved trying to get it. And so if you can get in this race uh, and run with these guys, that's saying something, just, just getting in the race, right? Absolutely. I think, especially with the way we set it up, because there are a lot of leagues and a lot of groups that do the Daytona 500, but us, and especially in our position now, where I think we're transitioning more to single race promoter than we are league, we're going to try and focus a lot more on special events in 2020. But nobody really did a Chili Bowl-style qualifying format for the Daytona 500, and that's what makes this show special, in part because it does give you the chance to race against some of the good guys. But, you know, it, just making this race, being one of the fastest 43 out of the 150, I think says a lot. And who knows? Maybe you get the chance to beat a, a Logan Clampett or a Casey Kerwin or a Jimmy Mullis, a Malik Ray, a Graham Bolin, you know, a lot of big-time guys you are going to be competing for the six-figure purse in the eNASCAR World Championship Series here in a few weeks' time when they get to Daytona. Just, uh, I think, a tremendous achievement for anybody. It's it's a bit of a marathon for sure, but if you can stick it out, definitely, definitely something you can put on your resume. And even Malik, you know, Malik said when he won the Southern 500 that we did in September that it was one of the biggest wins of his sim racing career. I think Seth Merchant, who won the Daytona 500 last year, would probably agree. And I think whoever is able to put their name up in lights as the winner of this 500 we'll probably be able to say the same yeah absolutely um we got a teammate in our uh, team that's going to be in uh going for it so uh we'll be involved in one way there for sure because uh it is the place to be so that's pretty cool you guys are getting it done uh let's backtrack before you came on james i was telling taylor about the pro series and how we love those broadcasts and we were talking about them every week on the show because they were so entertaining. Uh, backtrack to that. Tell us what you think about how that Pro Series went um, as far as you guys calling the race and, uh, and the action that we saw. Uh, it certainly got better as, as the season went on, too. I think it speaks to the quality of racing, not only in the top series of eNASCAR here in iRacing, but across the ladder from pro and road to pro. Year on year, you see the series get more popular. You see the level of competition rise. And you know it got to the point where we recognize that it's not just an opportunity for us to get eyeballs, but it's really, really good and entertaining racing that we can bring to people. So the decision to broadcast the pro races was a very easy and obvious one. And if people like the pro broadcasts, if we haven't had the chance to say this yet, so another iRacers Lounge podcast exclusive if you haven't heard it already, but we are going to be broadcasting the Road to Pro once that gets going in, believe, beginning of March, if my memory serves me correctly. So uh, we're going to do Road to Pro, and the plan is to do Road to Pro and Pro on twitch.tv forward slash podium esports in 2020, much like we did with the Pro Series last fall. Get you to that, James, because we were just talking about that, but going on more with what James said, I mean, Last season, we saw multiple different winners. No, Not one driver really stole the whole show. I mean, we had John Gorlinski, a returning favorite, coming back and winning the season over at Daytona. Some, 
I mean, that was amazing. And then going back through the history books of iRacing and seeing him being one of the first winners at Daytona back when it was one of the old Pro Series races back in 2008, 2009, 2010. And then, of course, seeing Ray Alfala having to come back from a, pretty much a fallback almost from one week at Daytona, then the next week coming at Atlanta and taking home the win. What an extraordinary result to help push his way into the World Championship for 2020. And then, of course, who can forget the championship race at Homestead? Of course, that's the last time here in any form of sim racing that we'll race at Homestead's season finale. And who could forget that last multi- last caution, that multi-car wreck, seeing drivers just negotiating through that. Kane Cook, by all means, was one of those drivers who was like, wow, how in the world did he get through that? As well as, you know, seeing that championship battle amongst those four different winners that we've had all season long last year. Him and Michael Guest, I think, in particular, sneaking through that wreck. And then the Gorlinski social media post. We dug up one of the old highlights from the 2010 World Championship Series, which was the last time that Gorlinski had gone to victory lane in an official E-NASCAR event. And that got plenty of love on Twitter and Facebook. Josh Berry, of all people, car store regular for JR Motorsports, was able to jump in and say something because Josh was part of that championship too. So, you know, and I think that's a theme you'll see in this year's E-NASCAR World Championship Series that you're seeing some of these drivers from way, way back, the Steve Sheehan's, the Bob Bryant's, the John Gorlinski's company come back to the top level just because it's starting to peak back up and grow big again. Right. Do, do you um do you foresee that the basically relegation style of the league will stay in place even though there's so much more money coming into the into the East NASCAR series? I think given uh, we talked with Drew Anderson at iRacing about that, and Drew's a big big fan of that just because it's unique amongst you know major esports racing championships. There aren't any charters, there aren't any franchises. You literally have to be the best of the best year in, year out, and there aren't any fallbacks. And if you don't make it, then you have to compete with the people who are chomping at the bit, nipping at your heels, trying to take the spot. It's something that makes the eNASCAR championship and iRacing unique, and I think it probably will stick around for the Man, ultra competitive is is the word I come up with. And I think I always refer back to an old quote from Kyle Larson that he, he said that iRacing is more competitive than NASCAR, and and he's right, and uh, you can certainly see it. I'm going to ask both you guys about uh, free – let's move forward uh, past that season. Free agency was announced. We're going to have free agency for these drivers. Uh, just this week, we wrapped up uh, all 40 announced uh, who they're with. Uh, when, what do you see as surprises from the free agency? Uh, and then shift a little bit to media day in Charlotte. I know you, you guys were there. Uh, James, I saw you were at the, the go-kart track that night. Uh, tell us what happened. Oh, man. Oh, man. So so much to talk about with Media Day and so much to talk about with free agency. But uh, Media Day it was a first-of-its-kind event in iRacing. iRacing flew 38 of the 40 drivers in the 2020 eNASCAR World Championship Series to Charlotte. And they spent a day and a half at NASCAR Productions. Their office is in the NASCAR Tower right next to the Hall of Fame. And they got all sorts of green screen shots and all sorts of bios and interviews. A lot of things that you're going to see on the broadcast throughout the 2020 season. And it was amazing to have everybody together in one spot. That had never happened before in the history of the eNASCAR World Championship. And that also included Jarl Tien and Christian Schallener, who both 
flew over from Finland and from the United Kingdom, respectively, to be part of the event. So it was really crazy to see everybody together in one spot. Really fun to, to talk to all these drivers, to meet with them, and then to head out to GoPro Motorplex, where they all went go-karting that night. Uh, I don't know if anybody caught it on the Podium Esports Instagram, but uh, Chris Overland and I went live, and we uh, live commentated one of the last chance qualifiers. That was a barrel of fun. So Yeah, I saw the, uh, that. You guys were literally calling it like a regular uh, podium race i i want if we could get chris on a broadcast i'd love to line that up with him and with the wood brothers and make sure that, that happens because chris was a ball to be in a booth with and would love to happen again but uh, so that's that's largely what happened in charlotte and then so far as the uh you know free agency goes any of the surprises that i saw really just came because i wasn't aware that we had some people that were working for uh, some of these teams, like I, I was not aware that Justin Bolton was an employee at Stuart Haas, but when I heard that, it made a lot more sense. But, you know, biggest moves of the offseason, I, I think you have to start with the champion, Zach Nomak, moving to Richmond Raceway Esports and, the you know, how prestigious that team has become in one year for them to be able to go to the champion and the defending champion and pluck him away from Roush Fenway speaks to the amount of, you know, service and the amount of support that Richmond gives their drivers. I think if you haven't seen the Richmond Raceway Esports Twitter, go. It's a tremendously fun account. And, and the opportunities that they got. We saw it last year with Jimmy Mullis and Malik Ray getting the chance to run a Legends car at the Charlotte Legends Oval with Bubba Wallace. You know, definitely, I think, shows just how big they become in the scene. And I think there are a lot more stories like that as you sort of go up and down the list. I think it's no surprise that some of the bigger and the more popular names have shined with teams that might not necessarily you know, have a history, but they've got clout. And I think we'll see that develop in this season and in the seasons to come. Yeah, I could not agree even more with that. I mean, looking over through this entire new drivers lineup with all the new teams as well, because we have several new teams joining the rake. I mean, Casey Corwin going over to Denny Hamlin Racing, that was kind of a little bit of a surprise for me, thinking about how well he was doing over with Clint Boyer Racing. And then, of course, several other drivers who are returning to their original teams that they were running with last year. I mean, Ashton Crowder going back over with Burton Kligerman Esports. That was a good accomplishment. Plus, also, with new sponsors coming in. That, I think, was the more exciting feature is seeing some of these companies who are willing to partner with these esports teams to help expand the brand of esports. And, of course, eNASCAR with iRacing. That, I think, was actually a little bit more exciting for me, seeing how well the world in motorsports is now really starting to see that this is basically going to be the future of motorsports when it comes with esports. I mean, who's not to say one day one of these esports drivers could work their way up through the ranks and make it into NASCAR. And they're all quick and great drivers. And we even have sponsorship announcements this week. Let's bounce through the announcements this week. You guys give us uh, your impressions. Uh, first, uh, JGR, Joe Gibbs Racing. They announced Graham Bolin and Malik Ray, but uh, pretty pretty good a uh, pretty good lineup there with Graham Bolin, and I think as far as Rookie of the Year, uh, he's my pick for sure. I, I agree with you, Rookie of the Year Graham Bolin. I mean that driver during the Pro Series showed phenomenal talent, phenomenal skills, and to be quite honest, I think if he can place his cards right and make sure makes not any mistakes like he did a little bit in the Pro Series. He could be one of those final four contenders for the championship come the end of the season in 2020. That is going to be probably the number one driver to be watching all season long. And Malik must think it's a lateral move for him. 
uh, you know, cer- certainly going to Gibbs. I would say so. You know, it's they, they've got plenty of support in the same way that Richmond gave them. You know, they've got the all-season series that they've run on their Facebook page, Joe Gibbs Racing Facebook page, for a long while now with the folks that's in 500. So not like that he won't have the same kind of support at JGR that he had at Richmond Raceway with Boris and company leading up the PR team over at Joe Gibbs. And, you know, plenty quick, too. I, I think Malik didn't have the best of luck last year in a lot of cases. I think it sort of belied his talent, especially when you saw what he was able to accomplish over, especially on the stream when he was just running races. You know, he won his split of the Daytona 500, and he won the Podium Esports Southern 500 as well. So he's got the ability to run up front and win big races, but it just needs to all coalesce together, and sometimes you need the intangibles to come through for you. So I think Malik's in line for a better year, and then, yeah, I'll echo everything Burris said on Graham Bowling, one of three drivers to get two victories in the Pro Series in 2019, and arguably the fastest driver, I think, on raw talent and pure speed in that series Top to bottom, week in, week out. Grand and I think, could be a very serious contender for not only the playoffs, but I, I think he's got an outside shot at the Final Four just looking in. He's, he's definitely right there in that sort of like fifth to tenth group, I think, so far as speed goes, at least so far as I'm concerned, entering this 2020 season. All right, next up was VRS, which is a new team. Uh, no surprise that they uh, pick up their own employees. Uh, it was just a question of which one because they have several in the, uh, but it ended up being Ray Alfala and Bobby Zelensky. Boy, a couple heavy hitters. You are talking about some of the biggest heavy hitters in all of eNASCAR competition. Four-time champion Ray Alfala. Definitely, if he can be able to figure out with this new package, of course, with the new tire models coming into play for the 2020 year, it's going to be even a little bit more interesting to see if he can overcome that. I mean, it's going to be a lot more interesting to see if he's able to figure out the right setup lines in order to at least stay in the top 20. And then, of course, Bobby Zelensky, pretty much you can factor him anywhere just about, especially when it comes to road courses. So it's safe to say he will definitely be a contender. It's just seeing also if he can manage to pull it together towards the end of a season for those oval races, not just the road course. Watching the development of the VRS team coming into this season was a fun one because we we sort of figured that, you know, with Keegan and Ray and Bobby being the three coaches for VRS, that two of the three were going to be there and we just weren't sure which one was going to be the one that jumped elsewhere. So uh, Keegan got uh, a really good offer from Denny Hamlin Racing, was able to slide over there, and that leaves Ray and Bobby with VRS. So Ray gets to bring that two-time or that two-car back to victory lane potentially and gets to bring the combo of number two and four-time above the door back together. And Zelensky, the road course expert, as Taylor just said, you know he'll be a threat when we have to turn left and right. Uh, I think for Ray, though, biggest question for him will be, Will the new short track package or old short track package, depending on how you look at it, and road course package where they take away the splitters and effectively reset it to something close to 2018 spec. We know that Ray struggled with the momentum-based mile-and-a-half racing of the cars that had the tapered spacers on them in 2019. So he struggled at the mile-and-a-half, but can he pull on the more high horsepower, low downforce package that we should see at the tracks, either a mile or less on the road courses, and use that to his benefit. Traditionally, he's been really good when we've had high horsepower, low downforce packages. That's what we're going to have on those short tracks. I would think that if Ray's going to find success in 2020, it will come there first, and then we'll just see if he's learned anything at the mile and a half in 2020 compared to the way he ran in 2019. 
Yeah, I think uh, they're cutting uh, eight inches off that spoiler. I'm so happy for that. Uh, Steve Letarte uh, announced Chris Sherburn in Santiago Tiras. Yeah, a great combination right there. Chris Sherburn doing had a great run in the Pro Series along with Santiago Tiras. Santiago actually at Atlanta was probably one of those favorites as well to take home the win there and could have if it wasn't for Ray Alfala just being able to outpace him towards the end of those longer runs. But both of those drivers, I feel confident, will definitely put on a great effort throughout the season. It just depends on how well they're able to manage and negotiate. Santiago, this will be his, I believe, his rookie year to come into this series. So it's going to be interesting if he's going to be able to stand up to the pressure. And then next was, yeah, go ahead, James. Yeah, that that Santiago is going to be a fun one, especially since he and Guerrilla and Eric Smith have close ties all together at UNC Charlotte. And yeah, Atlanta for both of them. You have to watch both of them if Atlanta ends up on the schedule because Santi was pole sitter at Atlanta, got a top five. Sherburn was runner up at Atlanta. And then Sherburn also was able to take a top five away from Darlington. So should be pace. If we get that track on the schedule, expect both of them to be fast. Yeah, and then a sponsorship announcement along with the team announcement. Valvoline, a longtime uh, sponsor associated with Jeff Burton, is coming to Burton Kligerman's Esports with uh, both of their drivers uh, remaining intact, Ashton Crowder and Logan Clampett. This is probably one of the most exciting teams to watch. Ashton Crowder definitely had to work his way back up to the field after not finishing in the top 20 in the 2019 eNASCAR iRacing Series and working his way up to the Pro Series. He was actually one of those drivers who almost didn't make it after some mistakes early in the season, but was able to fight his way back up and make it back with Burton Kligerman for 2020. I'm looking forward to see if he can find a way to get a little bit of redemption and see if he can get his way into victory lane. And Logan Clampett, of course, a very big contender as well, always a factor in just about any track we go to. So it's going to be interesting to see, can uh, Burton Kligerman eSport find a way to get their way up into those Final Four championship spots. You wonder what would have happened to Logan Clampett if he hadn't missed the two races in the middle of the season because he had those three top fives in the middle of the year, the third-place finish at Vegas, and then the fourth-place finish at the Roval at Charlotte. So I, I think he's got more in that car than we saw in 2019. And I think we could say the same for Ashton Crowder, who did not have the greatest of starts of the year, but once we got towards the back half, obviously the win at Darlington, but he had a top 10 at Bristol and a top 10 at the Roval at Charlotte to go with that. So three of his last five finishes in the top 10, Crowder trending upward, also got a third at Darlington in the Pro Series. And oh, by the way, maybe some of these slickish paints in the entirety of the E-NASCAR World Championship Series for 2020. And I think we have to give a big hand to J.D. Laird at J.D.R. Graphics for what he did because both Crowder and Clampett have tremendously good-looking Valvoline Toyota Canyon. Yeah, good call there. Uh, Renegades, uh, they announced uh, Corey Vincent is back with them again, and they added Kane Cook. Yeah, Kane Cook was a very good choice for them. I think he was one of those quiet drivers during the 2019 Pro Series. I think he might be able to put on a great show for them for the most part. It's just a matter of time to see if he can make those right moves. But if he is there at the end, he can definitely make a shot for a win or strong top five runs. And as for Corey Vincent, I know he's going to put on a great factor for the top tens and top fives. And if he's there at the end, he could definitely go for the win. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Kane Cook, really, really good in the Pro Series. That's the one that jumps out to me, and especially in the back half of the year. Kane Cook, third, fourth, and sixth in those final three races, so he'll come into the World Championship with some momentum. And uh, as I mentioned before, the rookie race, if there is such a thing, uh, 
it's going to be fun to watch because there's a bunch of guys that are in there for their rookie year uh, that are going to be uh, interesting. Next up, Clint Boyer announced Brandon Cattell and Brian Schoenberg for Clint Boyer Racing. I got to say, that was an interesting choice to see Brandon Cattell. I was not expecting that, but after seeing this, I think it's going to be a good fit for him. Brandon Cattell was one of those uh, top five, had a couple top five runs in the Pro Series, and then Schoenberg as well had some great runs as well. I think that if they're able to work their way up and make those right strategy calls, they can be contenders, and especially Cattell had a lot of speed during the first half of the Pro Series. Those are two signings where I almost feel like it was more of a personality fit than it necessarily was a racing fit, because Schoenberg very much feels like the Clint Boyer of the Enosco World Championship. Always has a story to tell, always is happy to talk with you, and could go on forever if you stick a microphone in front of his face. We know that Clint can do the same. So uh, that's one where I think Clint's going to have a lot of fans on that team because their drivers are both so likable, and I think they both have license to pick up speed, especially compared to where they were in the Enas Carvel Championship Series a year ago. Schoenberg was able to nab two top fives in the final two races of the Pro Series in particular, and can tell got a third and a fourth at Atlanta and Charlotte, respectively, in the Pro Series. So the ability to be quick is definitely there, but I'll be curious to see those streams. I think they might have some of the best Twitch streams in the whole of the series. Well, I imagine, you know, working for Clint Boyer, you might want to have to be able to do a shot with him or something like that, or maybe go ride in his dirt car. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun uh, running with him. I bet. Definitely, uh, we've we've seen him go on stage and after the lap when they did the Champions League out in Vegas and do some crazy stuff. Now a couple other off stories, uh, but related. Uh, I hate to see this, but e, uh, NASCAR announced uh, E NASCAR Heat, the Heat Pro League, returns for season two with a three hundred thousand dollar prize pool. Uh, what's uh, everybody's reaction on that? And boy, I better, I hope we have something bigger than 300 is what I'm thinking. Well, even though it is not what I would like to have, it's good still for the world of each. That's what I would say about the matter. You know, not everybody can be able to do the iRacing like, like what we do here on a week to week basis. So you got to give some people credit for able to compete in that type of league. But I got to say this championship, the eNASCAR, series championship with iRacing is by far one of the most competitive esports tournaments and series in the world, hands down. I think the thing with the Pro League and NASCAR Heat is that a lot of people misunderstand it. I think a lot of people think that it's supposed to go head-to-head with the eNASCAR World Championship Series and iRacing, and so far as I'm concerned, that's not true because when you look at the install bases of both programs, you know, iRacing is a simulation, is a PC program. And NASCAR Heat is primarily designed as a console program. And when you look at the install bases there and look at who, you know, races on PC and who races on console, you look at the two demographics of those markets, they're really, really different. And I think it's honestly not the worst thing for NASCAR to make sure that you're covering both bases. In that sense, it's one of the few sports that really does that well and I think understands that. Now, I will give NASCAR credit. I think you do need representation on both platforms some way, somehow. Never mind the fact that our good buddy Chris Wilner is part of that broadcast team and and does a really solid job week in, week out. So I'm looking forward to watching it in my free time. Obviously, it'll be tied up with the iRacing stuff, but I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the Pro League for sure. We had a quite a bit of discussion about this when it first got announced. And one of the things that we really should consider is just to think about what we covered last week after, or I guess it was two weeks ago after the 
uh, media, the, the Twitter storm over whether sim racing is comparable to real race. Um, and now we're here, we're actually on the other side of the key now saying NASCAR heat is not comparable to sim racing, kind of being snobby in the same way. Um, it's different and it, uh, as a sim racer, probably none of us are going to get any enjoyment out of heat, but we don't need, we having it there is going to be good for the sport and good for iRacing as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, overall, like uh, Taylor was saying, it, it certainly is going to help e-motorsports. Uh, let's keep moving. Uh, Mode Media, uh, they put up a little video about Kyle Long, who's the owner of this uh, esports team. And he talked about some of his motivation about why he's involved in iRacing. Now, uh, Kyle Long is a former NFL uh, player. And uh, after he retired, that's uh, when he really got involved in it. And he, he ran it a lot. And and he, he's just thankful to be involved. And he's got some sponsors, some uh, Gillette and Walgreens. And uh, apparently they might be uh, getting involved with the team. But uh, it's an interesting little video they yeah, I would say I caught a little bit of that. And it's amazing to see how even people who really weren't involved with motorsports, I mean, we have professional football, former professional football players getting involved. That just shows the reach that iRacing, NASCAR, and eSports has pretty much in every which direction in the world of sports has. I mean, it's great to see other people getting involved with that. I think he, there's several other professional football players or former fo football players that actually are involved with iRacing to this day still. And it's great to see that they are interested and want to be a part of it. I think it's just fun to have people from outside of the racing world be interested and involved in this. I think it's if you've got someone from the football world that comes into the racing world, usually, you know, there's some crossover between those two groups of fans, but not always. So if you're really knowledgeable about both, usually it means that you're just really passionate about both. And I think both sports could benefit when you have passionate people that jump in. It's it's uh, it's an example I like to bring up a lot of times because I'm a tremendously huge soccer fan. I try and watch as much of Tottenham Hotspur's matches out in the Premier League and the Champions League and the FA Cup and League Cup whenever I can. So, you know, it's I think it's good to be able to diversify yourself in different sports and you know, just let your passions lead you wherever they may be and, you know, just try and get as much benefit out of it as you can. Okay. Then next was uh, G2 Esports. They got a sponsor, this time Philips Gaming EU. Uh, that sounds like a pretty nice sponsor. Yeah, it does. And it just shows the growth of more companies getting involved with esports. I mean, it's great to see that and it helps just grow the brand of as well as you know grow the world of esports when more companies get involved and and just like we brought out earlier with the burton clickerman esports with Babylon as well as coming aboard and the possibility of other sponsors coming aboard that just shows the interest and the potential of what motors e-motorsports can bring and the yeah. global appeal i think too especially with g2 having so many different arms of that organization all over the place i think it's great that they're in the e-nascar world championship series and i think it's you know very fitting they they very much have established themselves well as the sort of European arm, and you wonder why the Altian is one of their main men over there. It's a it's a great fit from a branding perspective, and I look forward to seeing what he and Alex McCollum can put together in 2020, especially since McCollum, now let's not forget, had that runner-up finish at Daytona in the Pro Series to John Gorlinski. So when we get to Daytona on the 11th of February, you could see McCollum in victory lane. Don't count it out. 
Yeah, McCullum is by far one of those drivers to definitely keep an eye on. I've always seen him here currently recently on the iRacing Sim competing in other events and showing incredible speed as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can accomplish with this team as well as in 2020, all the tracks we go to because he showed consistent speed just about everywhere he goes. I raced him a few times and uh, yeah, he's pretty quick. Hard to beat. Yeah. And then final story, uh, NASCAR is having their regular media day with the regular NASCAR drivers this week. And uh, uh, NASCAR.com reporter Taryn Wack put up a little uh, video of William Byron talking about why he started an eNASCAR iRacing World Championship Series team. And, and his answer is he just looking to give back um, to, to the iRacing community. And uh, that was really his short answer. And uh it's like a 20-second video, but kind of neat to hear from one of the owners about why, why he's involved. I couldn't agree more with that comment that William Byron said, because if you look at that, you know that's where he started off before he even got into a Legends car, let alone into the NASCAR series, is how he started off at 14 years of age, just working his way in iRacing. And look where he is now. It's phenomenal what he's done, as well as what he decides to do to give back to what got him into the NASCAR world. And we see that time and time again, not just with esports, but with most motorsports around the world, drivers who reach the pinnacle of motorsports, giving back to where it all began for them. And I think if you haven't noticed, and if you go watch uh, Brandon Williams' Twitter, at Williams underscore 38, he's uh, the NASCAR employee that just sort of runs the whole esports realm. He's the head of the esports, shall we say. And he's had a lot of content over the week because they've had a lot of drivers run on their simulator that's been using iRacing and put together some videos to have the drivers just talk about how they get around the racetrack and you know give a few pointers here and there about you know what you need to do in a certain corner or how to get down a certain straightaway that sort of thing so definitely been very very prominent i think has iRacing throughout nascar media days all right well thank you uh, so much taylor burris and james pike uh, for coming back on our show uh, both you've been on before uh, certainly welcome back anytime. Like I said, we uh, really enjoyed the broadcast of the Pro Series. Uh, looking forward to uh, you guys doing Road to Pro as well. And, and of course, uh, your Speed Week's going on, and I'm going to be excited to watch those heats on Saturday, uh, those little short races. Uh, it should be uh, interesting for sure. Should be a tremendous amount of fun. You know, we've got Xfinity cars for 100 laps tonight, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and then uh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, all afternoon Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon we'll take the green flag at 1.30 and hopefully be done by 5.30 so you can get out and watch that big football game that might be happening on Sunday evening. But if you're interested in following Podium Esports, we're on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook at Podium Esports. If you want to check us out on Twitch and watch our broadcast, it's twitch.tv forward slash Podium Esports. And if you want to register for the Daytona 500 yourself, it's PodiumEsports.com forward slash Daytona hyphen 500. And a big thanks to you, Mike and David, and everybody at the iRacers Lounge podcast for having us on. And we look forward to seeing you guys in the chat this weekend and then seeing you all in chat for the Pro Series and Road to Pro when that fires up in a few weeks as well. Yes, thanks for coming on, guys. We certainly appreciate it. Have a good one. Have a good uh, speed weeks. All right, well, let's jump into uh, regular topics. Uh, David, you're up first. Well, we'll start with some more coverage from the Chili Bowl. We got a nice little about, uh, I don't remember the length of the video, but I did catch it earlier. We have iRacing 
at, at the Chili Bow, and it basically features iRacing's drivers. We had Chris Bell, Kyle Larson, and Carson Elledge in there, all talking about their sim racing and their real-life racing. You got to see the pretty iRacing paint colors. Uh, it was really neat. I think that's actually one of the first times I've actually seen Carson's, and I look forward to following her career. Uh, and they also spoke about the fact that iRacing actually helped come back out there and fix the track because that's how authentic the track scanning process is. It was a, it was a, it's a nice video to watch. Yeah, it definitely highlights uh, their sponsorship package for the Chili Bowl. And, uh, you know, iRacing is all in. I mean, they're on multiple cars and multiple drivers. Uh, and they just happen to have the guy that finished first and second. You know, how about that? <laughs> all right, I'll take the next one. Uh, we had a big announcement in the motorsports world here. Uh, IMSA. And the Automobile Club Loquis have entered into an agreement that will allow both both organizations to compete with their top prototype classes at the North American WeatherTech Sports Car Championship events and at the ACO's legendary 24-hour of Le Mans in France. And so uh, it's not going to happen right away. I think it's 2023, I think is what I heard, uh, when it all comes together, but uh, the cars that will be developed here in the near future will be able to be used in the North American series and raced at the Le Mans 24. Uh, what do you guys think, and how does this affect us in iRacing? Well, maybe at some point I'll actually get to run a decent prototype in IMSA. Right, if we can get one, right? Yeah, they've already said that they're not going to do the DPI because it's a, it's being phased out anyway. It's already, so. yeah, gone. Uh, so there'll be a new car, and uh, it'll be running at both places, and uh, I look forward to it. It's just kind of exciting to to see both of the groups coming true. It's interesting, to, you know, to watch. You watch the Daytona, and you watch the Le Mans, and I follow sports car racing a lot more than I used to. Um, and there, there's definitely a lot of differences from, from each side of the pond. Well, uh, part of the announcement, uh, Jim France, uh, who's in charge of NASCAR, was uh, involved in the announcement, but he says, quote, when my father, Bill France Sr., bought the first Day Daytona Continental Sports Car race here to Daytona back in 62, we wanted to bring together sports car drivers, teams, and manufacturers from around the world, said Jim France. With the ACO, IMSA, and manufacturers aligned now, today's announcement proudly takes my father's vision to the next level. That's cool, man, that you know they're finally getting to that point that what you know they were trying to get to the, all along. There was a real, there's a really good documentary on uh, Netflix that Adam Carolla actually produced uh, about Shelby, Carol Shelby, and that really gives you an interesting perspective on on the on the two worlds and and what's kind of gone on in in both American sports car racing and European sports car racing. So you should, that would be I don't know. I just randomly thought of that when I'm, you're thinking about bringing the two worlds together. But I'm I'm excited to see the to see the changes and see the new prototypes come in. Okay, and then next up, Tony Groves, you come out of hibernation for the winter, and you're back. Welcome. And uh, what do you got next? Yeah, well, we haven't really had much of a winter up here, but uh, I, I hibernated anyhow. Um, so let's kick it off with uh, well, they're looking uh, at the community to submit for the 2020 season two track schedules and length of races. Um, this needs to get done by Wednesday, February 13th. Now, is length of races different? I don't remember them asking for that in the past. No, they usually uh, 
keep it where they want it because they have it on a set schedule, like every hour or every two hours, right? Well, yeah. So could this just be a maybe a bit of a typo, or are they going to start playing with that part of it? Well, they do have a template. It's uh, an Excel file, and you can download it and work with the community and fill it out like we do every quarter. I don't know that they get a lot of people in, involved in this, but if you're running a certain car and you, you're interested, you can definitely provide input, especially when people are not uh, putting in input. Your input might be the only input, you know, so get involved. I definitely would like to see IMSA go to the Roval. I don't think it's gone there yet. So the IMSA thread uh, changed the schedule. Now that's a thread. There's a lot of people involved in that one. Well. So if you uh, you want to get that IMSA changed up, David, you got till Wednesday, thirteenth, to, uh, to to say your piece. I get on me to get on it. Okay, next up, a commercial, David. We have a commercial. I racing race with us in twenty twenty. You get to hear some of the same voices you may have just heard, as well as uh, our guy that broadcasted the the peak races. Uh, it's uh, there's some great road racing. It's just an exciting promotional video for I racing. The quality tremendous the graphical quality so to speak i mean you, it's hard to tell it's eye racing but a lot of neat effects especially with the day and night and the sun setting uh, you know sh- a sheen across the hood of the car well that that final lap of of i, I don't think was it bathurst i know it was the v8s but i don't know if it was bathurst or not the the final lap with the headlights on there it's just amazing seeing them race side by side for that tight at nighttime. Yeah, and so I'd love to see something like this on NBC, you know, if they're going to be broadcasting a peak race and they can have a, you know, a 30-second commercial during the commercial. This would be perfect. It's a great content for that. Speaking of content, Mike, have you, uh, any good podcast you know of? Hmm. Well, uh, somebody asked that on the forums. Uh, there was a forum post by Rick Ricketts asking... Hey, uh, what are the good podcasts out there, mainly oval racing? He knows about the Dale Jr. download, but wants to find some others. And of course, our wonderful listeners uh, spoke up uh, multiple times and said, of course, iRacers Lounge is a great listen. Thanks to Scott Velez uh, for shouting out, as well as uh, our friend John Hammer and others. Uh, So thanks, guys, uh, for thinking of us. Okay, Tony Groves, we are postponed. We are postponed. Uh, the tires, um, well, we got to wait an extra week. They had to push back the update. Um, but uh, I guess February 4th is the new day. We get that, rid of that slimy new cold tires and, and the wobble. Um, they say they're going to improve. It's going to be much improved in the next patch. So they're figuring everybody's going to find it a, a nice improvement, but we got to wait. But at this point, we already know this on the floor. Yeah, so this is patch three. It was originally for the 28th, but they uh, changed it back. Now, I think it's been, we talked about this a little bit in previous weeks, but uh, I think they're going to bring Oval AI with Daytona and Talladega in this build because um, they told us it would be out before the Daytona 500. And this is the only build between now and then. So that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, Tyler did say it does fix the wobble at, uh, you feel going down the back straights um, on these oval cars. So uh, that'll be nice. Well, and that would certainly make a lot of sense as to why they would have to, to push back the, the update. We don't see this very often. So if they're going to release um, you know, AI for Daytona, which would be absolutely awesome, 
uh, right about now. Um, that, that's kind of worth the wait. Yeah, we want it to be right, you know, for sure. Okay, uh, I got the next one, uh, an iRacer memorial thread somebody put up in the forums, uh, Robin Trusswell. Uh, he thought it would be a good idea to kind of keep track of uh, iRacers that have passed away, as well as a link to their profile and any other information that he may have about that person. And uh, it's turned into four pages of uh, inf- uh, people talking about it. Uh, he's got quite a list here, and uh, people, you know, are chiming in and telling him, hey, don't forget this person, you know, I raced with this guy and he passed. And and uh, it's one of those things, and it really tell- it really kind of shows, again, what a community we are. You know, we certainly like to talk about uh, these kind of scenarios if, if somebody uh, has passed away. But there's so many that we just don't hear about. And to see the list of names and how many people are here and some of their racing achievements are uh, pretty amazing too. So uh, what do you guys think about uh, this? It's kind of a neat tribute. Oh, it's uh, it's it's nice to see and, and kind of reflect and you know remember those uh, those people that have um, – you know, help build the, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's well done. It's, it's very nice. Yeah. Let's see. Let's keep it updated. Uh, kind of thing. Uh, and not leave anybody off. That's the thing I'm worried about. Let's not leave anybody off. So, all right, David, uh, B O P for Bathurst. Yeah. The BMW is going to lose 15 kilograms. Well, actually gain Uh Ferrari and Mark are also going to gain 10 kilograms. They, go through and try to do what they can to make sure all the cars are balanced. And this is the decisions they made based on previous events, as well as uh, some testing with some drivers that they have beta testing for them and some feedback throughout the year. And the Audi uh, gets nothing, but wasn't it the Audi that got the biggest change in the last BOP? The Audi and the McLaren are at zero. And um, the Audi has been hit hard a few times in patches. So, but uh it's been so long since I've driven the Audi. I'm, I've not been paying as close of attention. But the very first reply on the on the forum is now the Audi is comparative or competitive. There you go. I will not be running the Bathurst 12-hour. <laughs> okay, uh, Tony, the AI field skill slider question. Yeah, and I'm gonna probably butcher this one. Um, the the question uh, posed is a little long, um, but uh, to kind of sum it up, he's having an issue or with how the uh, w- when you set how, uh, the competition with the AI, um, is it actually random or not? Um, and it, I guess it wasn't very well explained. And if uh, like a slider deal, a, a better option. Well, they got the sliders, that... but nobody understands them. Right, so... which I, I found kind of odd because right away I thought it was. Uh, I didn't have any issue understanding it. I knew exactly what they were doing, um, which is, I guess, kind of why I was a little lost um, reading this post. Um, kind of sum that part up. They're not going to change it. Set the minimum and the maximum, and it just it's kind of random in between is, is how I understand it. Yeah, so there's two sliders. There's the driver skill, and then there's the field skill. And so the field skill is the one that really says, okay, I want – drivers that are racing from 50% to 100%, okay? And that's what sets that. So you don't have any driver in the field that's worse than 50%. Then you have a different slider called driver skill, and that slider determines within that 50 to 100 on the field, 
the drivers that are in that, what is their skill range within that field? That's oh. the way I understand. Well, that makes a that does certainly make a lot more sense. To be fair, I have not really done the AI a whole lot. I'm not much of a road fan, but once it comes to oval, I'll be diving into it a heck of a lot more. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, your explanation um, certainly. Well, it's actually it. John Henry that did the great explanation. Uh, the founder of iRacing actually took to the to the forums in a rare uh, appearance to make that explanation because. He, he really described it in a way that I just did. I kind of paraphrased what he wrote. But uh, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to they're gonna put up some verbiage there so people understand better. Like if you hover over it, it'll say something like that. I don't know. Well, that, that would be an easy option to kind of clean that up. Yeah, I don't know if that they're going to change it. They think it's designed how they want it to be. It's just people are having a kind of a hard time wrapping their head around how it actually works. But anyway, let's keep moving. Uh, uh, oh, James talked about this earlier, but we have some tweets uh, from the guy over at uh, NASCAR, Brandon, Bra Brandon Williams. I think that's who he mentioned. Uh, he said uh, he's been pit putting up pictures of Clint Boyer and Jimmy Johnson and others on the uh, Sim Seats uh, cockpit with a big 44-inch uh, widescreen monitor, uh, you know, getting shots for NBC uh, for the media day and stuff. So they put each of the drivers in the cockpit, they put them on the track, and they got some video of them driving around kind of thing. Now, we were talking about just the other day about how close the rim is for the oval drivers. Um, it, does that match about what they would have in when they're in a real car? Because that doesn't look that much closer to me. Or at least it's about where I run mine, and I do both GT and and oval. I think they're a little closer than that. But, yeah, one video had Kyle Larson, uh, and uh, the rig was shaking, and the motion thing kind of out of control, and he was laughing. and Kind of fun to watch. Okay, next up, uh, crashed out. Oh, no, that's not the right one. SimSpeed TV is going to cover the NASCAR iRacing Series top split on Friday nights. And uh, this one's exciting for me because I run this series. But Jay Kennedy from Australia did post in the forums that Sim Speed TV will be covering that uh, throughout the season, uh, the entire season on the Friday 9 p.m. Eastern event. Well, I figured you'd be excited about this one. This is something you've been kind of waiting for for the to to get more recognition of the NIS series. Yeah, and what better way to broadcast it? I mean. So now we just learned today that we're going to have Road to Pro broadcast. Now we're having the NASCAR iRacing Series broadcast. I mean, so the top three series, you know, in NASCAR are being broadcast now. So that's pretty cool. And I guess you could kind of sort of call the NIS the, like the top AM series or amateur series in, in a sort of way, even though a lot of the pros run it as it's well. It's open to everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So will I make top split on a Friday night? Probably not. Adam, you will. I might have to give up playing pool on Friday nights at the bar. Yeah, what do you Just think go about after this? the race? Yeah, I make I make top split when we're at the uh, Sonoma. <laughs> yeah, certain weeks we might. Yeah, I'm just gonna get thrown to the fire every Friday, but hey, I'll get used to it. <laughs> All right, so Sim Speed TV, we're looking forward to it. Jay Kennedy, uh, good job and good uh, on broadcasting the NIS. I think that's a great idea. Uh, this one was crazy, David. The guy is crashed out by a car. Yeah, w I thought we had covered the craziest video earlier when we when we saw the the car basically get launched to the moon. 
this one really might beat it because it just it's it's just look what uh, those cones are really supposed to be benign, and in this case, a cone actually it would appear intentionally takes out a GT car. I think he should protest the cone. I've had a cone get stuck in the right front on the modified and actually slows it down. <laughs> I once had if um, at not Suzuka at Monza. If you bust the chicane and hit those barrier, those little pads in the middle, it will. Uh, they they can actually get stuck in your cockpit, and it's really weird because they don't rotate. They keep the same orientation, and they're like a gyro <laughs> stuck inside your car. So for the audio listeners, I'll try to describe what the video shows. It, it's like they're side by side coming to the green or something. They're going around a sharp corner, and somebody up ahead had hit the cones and knocked them into the track. And as the guy is going around the corner, the cone kind of flies back up into the track, touches the outside of his rear wheel, and the car immediately spins out from the force of the cone hitting the side of his wheel. Uh, it's kind of silly looking at it, but... Uh, well, they, they need to add some more weight in those cars. So it's going to be a constant issue if they're just going to get spun out. Well, what's going to happen with the new damage model, too, you know? All right. Uh, oh, this is another... Uh, picture up tony of the uh sim seats put up of the nascar media days yeah yeah it is. we should have uh posted this one right after right after the one that you would uh started right. there it's just got you know more of the drivers um you know, harvick uh clint boyer uh eric jones you there's there's about a dozen pictures they all they all look like they're uh they are having a blast though Matthew DiBenedetto, all of them. I mean, he's almost got pictures of like at least 20 of them up here. But uh, yeah, I think we posted this one up because there were so many drivers. But take a look at the cockpit. Uh, that's the other reason I wanted to post these pictures, guys. The cockpit they're using there, that sim seats, is a motion cockpit. If you look down at below uh, the seat and stuff, that thing is uh, pretty beefy looking. Just love their stuff. They have great stuff. And what an opportunity for Sim Seats uh, to get involved with NASCAR and get their product on TV and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's rocking the D-Box. Yeah, that's a big, that's big time there, yeah. Nice. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, a uh, schedule, well, NIS schedule has been, not been posted, but somebody actually typed it up. Ezekiel Reyes. It's 35 weeks. Why, guys? Don't forget about Pocono. Remember, we used to have Pocono two weeks, uh, two times, six weeks apart. Now we're having a double header uh, in one week. So in iRacing, there's no double header. We're just going to run Pocono like normal. But we're not having a second week for Pocono, so it's 35 weeks. Now there's four full-length events uh, for this NIS uh, series. And those are uh, this one, Daytona, the first race, Charlotte, the 600, the Indy uh, Brickyard, and then Darlington, the Southern. Oh, they finally ditched Bristol full length. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, that was a long race. I enjoyed it. I like Bristol. I'd rather run a long time there than an Indy. Yeah, I don't like an Indy. I'd rather do Bristol and Indy What's too. Up with that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I skipped Bristol, but I'll do I'll do Indy, and I'm super excited yeah. about Darlington. I just love that track. 500 miles at Indy, or no, it's 400, didn't it? So that, that's not as bad. Brickyard, 400, yeah. But um, 500 laps at Bristol is not 500 uh, miles. And so it, it really still is only about a two-and-a-half to three-hour race, unless you're just crazy caution. 
Okay, and then David, we got a petition to raise the car count in NIS. I love this. I just voted for it. Um, it's just a petition to bump it up to 40 for NIS. Uh, will it make for cleaner racing or dirtier racing? Who knows? Uh, well, it would, it would definitely kind of change the way that math works on some of the splits. Um, but currently, there's about 38% voting to extend the field, and the second running vote is keep as is at 23 Ironically, though, there's also a vote for, oh, there's a vote for bumping it all the way up to 43, which is actually getting 28%. So that really puts the poll at over 50% saying increase the size of the field. Yeah. And what's the difference? I mean, we're at 37. What what difference does three cars make? I mean, it's not going to... Not going to be a different. I mean, why thirty-seven instead of forty? I don't understand it's, when thirty-seven came from. Um, the only thing it may have an effect on is server performance first and computer performances. I mean, uh, they're at least spread out when you're at the uh, road courses, but the max cars there is what fifty-five. But th except for the starts, they're never really those cars are never really piled up together. So that that might be my only guess is they don't that they're trying to help some systems out by keeping the car count a little bit lower when everything's crammed up together. Yeah, but still, 3 out of 37, yeah. But I, I, I like it because there's a big difference between A-fixed and A-open and NIS is the car count. And uh, the races play out differently when there's 37 cars versus 25. They just do. Um, there's usually more cautions than an A open because A open doesn't have as many cars. And so I just really like the dynamic of having a lot of cars on track. It'd be a good change if it if it doesn't break the system. I'm for it for sure. Okay, uh, hardware software is next, and we got a big product announcement. Uh, Sim Experience is announcing the G belt, and it is their seat belt tensioning system. And uh, it's just come out of alpha and getting ready for a batch of beta testing. Uh, Darren Ganji posted up in the forum some pictures and information about it. Uh, it's based on their GS5 seat that we've talked about a thousand times on this show that we love. Uh, the G-Belt adds another layer of immersion to put, your, put you one step closer to reality. Feel the braking, the bumps, the cornering, and rear traction loss effects to help you give improved car control. It will bolt directly to the Sim Experience GS5 G seat, uh, stage series seat base, and is developed for DIY applications as well. It will be uh, pricing and availability will be uh, available soon, with beta test applications starting February 14th. I'm applying for beta. Raise raise hand. Raise hand. Of course, I don't have a G seat. Well, you can use this on a stationary seat, is my understanding. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm if I go. I, I don't know that I want a motion rig. So if I end up, and I've looked at, you know, I've even looked at uh, at uh, butt kickers, and, and I think the way to go is either motion or the GC. Um, I'm not particularly excited about how, how much of a pain in the rear butt kickers are to set up. Yeah, I would totally cut holes in my seat because I don't have a, an actual racing seat. It's just out of a, like an old Pontiac. But I, I could come up with something crafty to fit those things in there. Just need a maybe a sawzall and some duct tape, rock and roll. And so, looking at the pictures, if you click on them, you get a bigger picture. But it's like a box up around the head area behind the seat that the belts kind of feed into. It looks like, and then I think inside that box, there's little rollers that the belts are attached to. 
that will provide the tensioning by rolling the belt up or yeah i can imagine just it, it, how it would work in combination with with the b bumpers on the back of the g seat because every time you're on the brake you the belts would tighten and every time you're on the gas the belts would actually loosen a little and, and the back of the seat would push against you right they're they're kind of complement each other right very cool very this cool is, now sorry mike this is a this is kind of interesting like we we've seen these belt tensioning systems before but they've always um you know had the belts run all the way down the back side of the seat and you know it, it's always pulled from the bottom but this one here just mounts right basically the headrest of the seat and everything happens inside that inside that box so but if I you find look that at, just nice fascinating yeah, most of your carbon fiber seats well probably your metal ones as well but like i'm looking at my sparker right now and it has holes right for belts yeah most seat, racing seats will have holes for the belts but that's why no, i no. think it'll work on most seats yeah, no, I understand that, but the whole tensioning system um, is mounted right to the headrest of that seat, and the ones that we've seen, you know, in the past, um, they're is the all ground. down at the base. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, it's just purely how you know design is is um, what I'm commenting. Right, and then my thought too is, do you have to cut your belts to make them shorter because the device isn't down on the ground? Like normal seat belts go clear to the ground. Uh, this, you know, like you said, the box is up at the headrest. They're kind of probably rolled up in there. I would guess that normal belts would be too long. They might have to be trimmed. So there's still a lot of questions about how this product works. We only have two pictures of it. so. Well, yeah, but, the, you know, with a system like this, I have to imagine that, you know, like, the, the belts are going to be included. So they're going to be specific belts to that tensioning system. So yeah. you just install it on your seat off to the races. Very cool, very cool company. Uh, always have innovative products with the GS5 seat. Uh, they're one of the first motion cockpits that were out there. Uh, now they got this. I mean, we've seen belt tensioning systems, like you said, Tony, but not really for sale. Like you can just buy this box and bolt it onto your, you know, cockpit kind of thing. Uh, this is kind of going down that direction. Yeah, and well, I said it's, it's great for DIY guys, um, which is perfect because this makes it that kind of setup just so much easier um just bolt it to the to the seat install the belts um uh, the, i can't even find a word uh, you know the connector deal at the down down at the bottom it's the it's easy that's what i'm saying Latch. yeah i know what you're talking about i don't know i mean if i was uh buying a gs5 seat i mean i would want to get this with it and if you read through the comments there's a lot of gs5c owners who are like oh man i'm gonna get this for sure you know yeah, and if they can keep that price point uh you know reasonable i mean you know you already got so much into your g your you know your g5 seat um you know keep this you know fairly reasonable this is just yeah it's just awesome i'm i'm really excited to to see more posts about this and how it works and and people's thoughts and stuff on it i mean the seat's three thousand so i would think i would hope it's under a thousand who knows? All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. That's definitely going to be cool. Adam, what do you got next? All right. And it looks like uh, Chris H. Designs Racing Products has a um, custom center plate for the Thrustmaster F1 wheels. It is compatible. The the, the hubs are co compatible with the Thrustmaster Ferrari F1 wheel, and you can get anything you want on the center hub for $35. Okay. Like the little BMW logo or the Ferrari prancing horse. Or Haas or... or or Chevy or anything you really want, really. Or even my team logo, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. Pretty pretty good price too for a custom product. 
if you have that particular wheel, Thrustmaster F1, check that out. It's Etsy.com, and I guess you would search that, Thrustmaster F1 wheel, and find it. I think Greg found these. Okay, uh, David, we got a motion cockpit review. All right, I, I almost want to make the garage, or not the garage, but the passing uh, car sound that you hear every time you pop up one of uh, Sim Racing Garage's reviews. But uh, we have another one up here. It's of this uh, DOF Reality H3 motion cockpit uh, H3. And one of the things that's, that he particularly points out about the H3 compared to the H2 is it has all three degrees of rotation or, or directions of rotation. Um, so you got pitch, yaw, and uh, kind of the lateral slip, pitch, yaw, and um, roll. It's got pitch, yaw, and roll. Uh, you get to watch the video, and what's really what's really most beneficial about every one of his videos is he you get to watch him build it. Yeah, I don't think I would have gotten my my P1X together without watching his video, even though it was <laughs> a slightly slightly different because they they don't come with instructions. It's just like here you go, figure it out. Uh, but you can see him put it together and then he goes through a review and he's, he's pretty, he was pretty pleased with it. Um, didn't really have anything negative to say. And he actually, one of the things that he, I noticed him pointing out was that the, the wheels, they're kind of like wheels off of a, the wheels that they rotate on are skateboard wheels, they're skateboard wheels. And, and, uh, they had just the right amount of plasticity that, uh, that they worked as a bit of a shock absorber themselves and gave it a real smooth feel. Yeah, I, you're right on the right point, David. Uh, look at the 21-minute mark, by the way, and you can see how this thing moves at 21 minutes. But um, the thing about that is it's just incra- crazy how this thing moves. I mean, the the back of it moves on these two, you know, skateboard wheels, so to speak. And, and what he describes is as the thing changes direction normally in a regular motion cockpit, one of the problems is it's abrupt. The motor has to go forward and reverse, and that abruptness kind of is annoying. And he was saying that this particular DOF Reality H3 isn't like that because of these skateboard rollers, so to speak. It gives a more smooth kind of uh, transition as it moves from one way to the other. Which might be a little bit closer to what you would feel in a real car as the as the transmission transition uh, trans. Uh, I can't speak today at all. The <laughs> Transition. Suspe- the, sus- the suspension transitions. There you go. And so when you look at the 21-minute mark of this video, you can see the back end going back and forth. And then you can see the part where the seat and everything is go to angle off left and right. And then you got up and down on the corners. I mean, it's just crazy how much movement this thing has. But you got to remember, you can't put a regular cockpit on this. You couldn't put a Sim Labs on top of this. Um, it's it's really low profile. It's got a place for your pedals. It's got a place to mount a seat, um, and you know, and a small place for the wheel. And and you kind of have to deal with that. But you've got a you know all encompassing motion system here. Yeah, it is the cockpit. I mean, you you add the seat and and the pedals and the wheel, and so uh, I don't remember mentioning anything about about if there's any flex if you put a direct drive on there. Yeah, and so I'm bringing up the website now, and uh, we've talked about these guys before, but they're definitely affordable uh, when it comes to motion. This particular one, one thousand nine hundred forty nine dollars. So we, we had just... a little little feedback uh, from Jack Jack here online, one of our listeners. 
live is actually talking about that you can run into an issue with flex, especially on the pedal deck. I would think the steering column looks kind of flexible too myself. I mean, I don't think that would work well with direct drive uh, particularly, but got to remember this is 2000 bucks. That seat we were just talking about was 3000 without the belts. This is a full motion cockpit for under $2,000. That's not that much more expensive than the than a rig, period. Definitely a low-cost uh, motion alternative. Okay, Tony Groves, uh, this product, uh, we've talked about it a long time ago. Do you? Oh, boy, do I remember. And I remember when we were talking about it, I was a little disappointed because we could not see a price point when they were going to release it or um, if it was going to be a, you know, if it was only going to be um, proprietary uh, Asus monitors or Acer one of the seven. Um, and uh, while it's finally been released, we have a price point. And, uh, you know, at least to my delight, um, it is kind of universal as long as you got a 27-inch monitor setup. Um, they, uh, this is the, the bezels for your monitors kind of eliminate. They're like, you know, little uh, prisms um, that reflect the light. So it kind of eliminates the, the bezels. They say... It's more along the lines of, you know, putting scotch tape on your monitors, but that is uh, so much better than, uh, you know, the, the couple of inches. Or, yes, yes, yes. So this kind of eliminates that. Um, that. I don't even know if they're kind of pricey or not. They're 109. I guess that'd be an American. So, yeah, they're pricey for a Canadian, but um, we're all kind of used to getting bent over for technology. So, um Exciting anyways, they've finally been released. We can get them, slap them on, and, and get rid of those black lines. Now, they have uh, a video here that shows how it installs and stuff. They call it a lens, but it's kind of like a piece of plastic. And then there's like a, a mount thing on the top and bottom of it, so you can mount it in between your monitors. And the end result, guys, looks really sharp. You know, when you look at the picture... Uh, it really does hide them, uh, you know, when you're looking at, at it straight on. I'm kind of surprised how it works. It's like a prism. And isn't one of the main advantages of having the triples over, say, an ultra-wide that you, that you get more proper positioning on the peripheral side? You get the, the, the outskirts of the monitors further back behind your head? Yeah. I don't know if this helps any of that or not. Um... Now, but this might affect somebody's decision. I was actually talking to a, one of our alliance mates with uh, Elite, and um, he's debating whether or not he wants to go ultra-ride or triples. I mean, it doesn't bother me now, just having the bezel there. But if I had this to cover that, and the light kind of reflected through this prism thing so I couldn't see it, would that be better? I think it would look cooler. Um, and what a nice upgrade for $109. In fact, I'm just going to hit add to cart right now. I'm not going <laughs> to buy it, but uh, I won't forget about it. Well, just just think, like uh, an ultra-wide, you know, they go 49 inches. I don't know what that is, you know, horizontally, but 327 inches is, um, I know it's it's over 80 inches from one side to yeah, the that, other. So That 49 inches is 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 actually, well... Yeah, that's still even wider because the 49 inches is corner to corner. It's a hypotenuse. That's right. Yeah, no, and I understand that. But I, that's why I said I wasn't sure what the, the dimensions are horizontally, but it certainly is not as big as 327s slapped together. So you, you get these deals here, and 
I don't know. That's a pretty damn good option. I think you're going to be pretty happy with that uh, shopping cart add-on. Now, what's interesting to me is I have Asus monitors. My monitors are 27 inch. These things are literally made for my... Well, you're going to have to let me know how well they work. I have 27s as well. Mine are all Acers. But, uh, you know, if uh, if they do what I hope they do and, you know, they pass the, the Mike Ellis test, um, I might just uh, bite the bullet and, and uh, get, get a set for myself. Yeah, if you look at the Amazon page and go down about halfway, there's some bigger pictures of the product in place. And it's pretty impressive from what you from what I can see, but I don't know if it's worth 110 bucks. All right, let's keep moving. David Hall, this one is interesting. Stream your sim data over the internet. Well, the, anybody who uses sim racing apps might know you, that you can basically set up your own little server for on your home network to pull data from, like uh, all the all the data, all the appy data is right. All there. the apps do that. Yeah. yeah. All the apps work that way, and it throws up basically just a server that's on a local IP address. Well, Z1 server's most recent uh, most recent service or version upgrade allows you to basically sort of do the same thing and stream all of that data over the internet as if they were sitting right in the room. Wow, that is cool. So Z1 dashboard, which I actually had a license of this for a long time. I haven't used it in a while. Um, probably over a year and a half, but they're still out there and updating. And this is a big update to be able to uh, have an internet-based server. And so how can you use this? Well, okay, so David, you're in the Talladega race run, driving. I'm your crew chief, you know, in another state. And I can tap into your, you know, Z1 dashboard data. And everything that Z1 dashboard does, I can I can see. I can see your temps, I can see your lap times, I can see the track map with the cars going around it, I can see your fuel windows and all that kind of stuff, all that information. And so this would be real popular, I think, and I think with, uh, you know, the crew chief driver kind of situation. What do you think? Well, I know some of the other utilities that, that crew chiefs use uh, can be a little bit challenging because you have to kind of, you have to send the telemetry back and forth if you want to really read all all that information. Um, also, if you're running your, if you notice when we're running team races, like the 24, when you're not in the car, the JRT and sim racing apps, all of them in caps, they all start to get a little confused. They don't know how much fuel you actually have, or they, they actually even get a little bit confused in what place you're actually in. Uh, this definitely would help with that on this particular app. But yeah, if you're crew chiefing and you want to actually have direct access to the telemetry, it, it will help you have make even more informed decisions as you're you're trying to help your driver out. Yeah, they put up a nice uh, YouTube video at Z1 Dashboard about the uh, update, uh, how it works, uh, how you configure it. And you actually have to pick at the driver's side what set of data are you going to uh, send. And there's different criteria or different types of data you can actually transmit. And then uh, you can actually lock it with a password so the other person who's watching it uh, not only has to have the link, but a password, or you can just put out a link. And it's a public link. If somebody had it, anybody could bring up the information and look at it. So we have a listener hardware recommendation, Mike, that we got sent in by email. Yep. 
uh, this was Andrew Philbrick. Uh, he told us, hey, you guys, check out the new Track Racer TR160. I think I'm one of the first people in the U.S. to have one since I pre-ordered mine in September. And he's got a Fanatec a DD1 and a bunch of club sport uh, stuff to go with it, including pedals. Andrew is actually a frequent visitor on my stream, so it's always great to hear from him. Yeah, my first question back to him, is there any flex at all in that steering wheel mount? What if you lift real hard on the wheel? Would it budge, even at a millimeter? And he said there's zero flex left to right. But there is a little if I lift up on the wheel, but not enough to notice while driving. You have to put a lot of effort in to get it to flex. It feels like I'm going to pick up the rig when I... And so the TR160, uh, you know, that's a $900 rig. Uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's got that 80-20 look. It's got the side mount for the podium, you know, kind of wheel. It also has a, a, a bottom mount as well, or a wheel deck as they call it. It's, I think we're pretty, it's pretty safe to say it's just hard to go against an 80-20 rig these days if it's got the good quality 80-20 profile. I guess my question is, why this one over there, $500? What's the difference? Because they announced that $500 uh, TR80. This is the TR160. Now, I initially, when the TR80 came out, I was comparing these side by side. There wasn't a lot of difference. But uh, good to hear uh, about that Andrew uh, likes it. So, all right, Adam, what's next? Uh, an official iRacing chair? Yeah, it looks like Jeff Harrison posted on the forum. He's got this big cushy chair, and he's got iRacing in the back of it, uh, etched in the back of it. Looks uh, pretty comfortable. Boy, it does. He's got it like uh, it's not like uh, printed on there. It's like uh, I don't know what is that. Is it like sewn into the leather? Yeah, it looks like either that. Or it, it almost looks like iron press-on type type effect. Like like it's a decal that's been put on it. A decal? I don't know. It looks yeah. pretty sharp though. Looks a lot more comfortable than I'm sitting in. Yeah, so it's like an office chair, uh, but it's all posh kind of leather. But he's got the nice iRacing logo on it. It looks pretty good. Yeah, that actually looks vinyl. It looks like a vinyl decal. It looks like he's got the wheels off the chair, too. That way, when he pushes the brake, it doesn't roll around. Okay, shout out to Jeff Harrison for some nice uh, DIY uh, chair stuff there. And then David Hall, next up, uh, some a new software that's going to be released tomorrow. So currently, iRacing's only or iRacer Assistance's only interaction with iRacing is to update the app INI and render DNX files. It automatically backs them up when it first runs, and they recommend you keep a safe copy. So this is the thing that allows you, I guess, to switch to different profiles if you're changing from, say, monitors to VR, or if you even need to change your video settings depending on what car you're in. Right, and it will also start up all your. Uh third-party apps for you with a one-button push kind of thing. So I'm going to try it. Uh, I was going to try it today, but I just realized it doesn't release until tomorrow. So tomorrow's the first day he's going to release it. Uh, this is Gary Tall. Uh, he put up the uh, post in the forums called iRacer Assistant, all one word. And uh, it does a lot of different stuff. And boy, he has got it very, very well documented. Uh, he's just got paragraphs and paragraphs of information about how it works uh, he's got a pdf user manual he's got screenshots with bubbles telling how every button works i mean initially when you open the software it does look intimidating there's a lot of uh, buttons and different things to do 
but uh, basically you can automate a lot of different things that you normally would do manually, like uh, switching the graphic settings from VR to monitors, or maybe you want your relative box in the bottom right corner when you're in this car, but you want it in the bottom left corner when you're in a different car. Well, you can program it so this software will automatically make that change for you just by you picking the right car. It's pretty uh, in-depth how, how many different things it has. So I'm going to give it a shot to do because I take, uh, you know, it takes me a, a minute or two to open everything up. I have to open up Google Chrome and Joel Real Timing and Sim Racing Apps and TeamSpeak and OBS and Mob, you know, Mob Crush and all these different things. And if I can just push one button instead of doing 20 mouse clicks, why not? That will be handy. I'm definitely gonna, I need that more than I would need to mess with the INI any. Right. I don't think I change the INI any uh, between cars, but apparently people do, and this will be very helpful for them. Okay, and then final in hardware. Guess what? A listener bought my card. Four hundred bucks. It's gone, gone, gone. I am so happy. Thank you uh, to the listener who uh, who I hooked up. And I hope you enjoy your card and uh, make me look like a little bit less of a for misdiagnosing that video card problem. So I guess some of that uh, money can go to those bezels. Huh? Well, maybe. Uh, I'm still trying to pay off the card I bought. So uh, maybe I need to do that first. All right, let's get into uh, racing results. Official. Uh, we'll start with our new teammate, Dalton Mobley. He raced uh, A Open uh, with seven pro drivers in the race Sunday night. He made top split. Uh, he got caught up in a late wreck and had motor damage, uh, finished 12th. Malik Ray uh, ended up winning that race. I was uh, spectating, uh, doing a little spotting uh, for Dalton, and it was fun to watch uh, those guys, uh, Graham Bolin and Malik Ray and a bunch of them up front. And, uh, boy, those guys are um, they're claiming A open. I'll tell you what, it's hard to, hard to win when those guys are in the race. And then, Adam, what'd you get? Um, so the other night I was going to run in a league race and, uh, the, um, too many people signed up. So I looked and it was about five, seven minutes to go before SK modifies at Irwindale. So I hopped into practice, threw in a Myrtle beach set, changed the gear and changed a couple of things and hopped in the race about 3,500 strength to field and finished third. Um, I was surprised the car kept up as well as it did. And the weird thing was the week before in the tour modified, the line on the track was up by the wall, but the SK modified is so underpowered and doesn't lose grip that the line was actually down by the grass in the bottom of the track. So that, that was interesting. And then I came back the next day, made some more adjustments, finished P1. Nice win. Yeah, those are not uh, easy to win either. No. All right, let's switch to league uh, winner series. Uh, Greg uh, got wrecked. I saw his stream. Was that the one where like you got involved in with a car and then that car wrecked and then Greg was way behind and he somehow ran right into it? Yeah, it was, you know, it's it's Daytona, tight racing. No, it was Dega, tight racing. And um, I had pushed a car all the way to the front for an entire stint and and had no issues. And then another car, after he, after the first car I pushed, finally decided to go to the inside. The other car pulled back up and I started pushing him after like two pushes. He just whips around. I, I, I feel terrible, but I, I don't know what was different. So um, that took Greg out too and took a lot of the drivers out. Um, 
but what was so that yeah that caught that caught greg up and i ended up finishing p12 uh was third in line coming to the coming to the checkered uh and they got tangled up in the front and took everybody out and i, I finished 12th i think i waited too long to move into what we we've now kind of figured out is one of the better lines to be in um but what was really exciting about this race, I wasn't terribly disappointed with 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 getting wrecked out because I still still brought it home twelfth. Um, and again, I'm sitting there running for an entire race, three wide. Everybody actually holding their lane with you know Ashton Crowder on my inside and Christian Chandler on my outside. You know, we were talking about it at the beginning of the show with the podium hosts. Um, it's it's just. It was exciting, and yes, Talladega is an equalizer. I'm not as fast as them at say Charlotte, but uh, it was it was nice. But what was amazing was how well that entire field could stay three wide for an entire stint and and do the stint, you know, and and not have some collision because somebody just wouldn't stay in their lane. Yeah, and uh, I think I saw the end of your race too on this one. And uh, I think I was telling you, like, which lane to go in as we were approaching the end of the race. And it was working out for you. You were definitely headed towards the front before I think it was first and second might have caught each other or something and wrecked everybody. Well, it was that it was the the middle car and the outside car bumped bumped into each other coming to the white or coming to the checkered. But a good race. Yeah. Fun to watch. Uh, as far as what I ran, uh, I ran a hosted uh Oh, excuse me, I ran uh, unofficial Dolara Dash, and I was shocked that I didn't have enough gas to finish a race of Dolara Dash. So it was Pocono, and I'm coming to the, you know, I was looking at my fuel calculation. I'm like, man, it's tight. And then as I get closer and closer, I'm like, man, I'm not going to make it. So I was trying to save a little and this and that. But sure enough, coming off of, uh, I think, two, going into three, you know, it starts sputtering and uh, not enough to even finish the race. Uh, I think they need to fix that. I mean, if you have a race with no pit stops or no caution, you got to have enough fuel to finish the race. Anyway, I was going to win it, too. I was running real well. But uh, haven't run too much. I've been watching David. You've been doing uh, major uh, practice for the major series, right? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, and it's interesting how, you know, you get a lot more guys that aren't as experienced at Oval because they're coming, probably coming over from road. And plus you add to that, the tire slipperiness right now, and nobody could hold a, hold a lane. So it, it's definitely much more of a challenge uh, to get up through those fields. It's hard and the car's watering all over the track, left, right, going down the straightaway. Yeah, in fact, I jumped in one of the major races last night. Uh, David, you got wrecked out early and left. I stayed in. I was headed to the front. I think I went up the middle at one point and made up a ton of spots. But uh, the guy leading the race, I'm not going to name names, but I did in our chat last night. But uh, he actually hit the apron leading the race and took out the entire field, I think, except for one car. Uh but it is a little bit treacherous out there. And that guy, I think his I rating was 4,400. So uh, he said something along those lines as, man, these cards are hard to drive. Uh, I think I was a little bit loose coming off four at one point, David, with our set. But uh, we have some work to do on our Q set, I think. Yep, I have another one to try that uh, from from the Elite guys. We're, we'll see what happens there. 
because it's uh, critical in majors. You don't get in the even well, other than the Daytona, you, you basically have to get in on time or or the duels. Uh, I think we're good on race trim, but yeah, uh, we're still six tenths off on Q trim. Yep. All right, let's get into final thoughts then, David Hall. Well, speaking of video cards, I went in over the weekend and bought me a 2080 Super. What? And yeah, and uh, put a couple of I actually bought a couple of new monitors too. Actually, one of my old 27 or I think 20 or 27s, or they might even be a bigger, blew up, and the other one was not running great. So I bought a couple of 24s because with being on VR, I don't need the big 27s anymore. Uh, especially since I don't play Eve Online, I, I'm no longer a space nerd. I'm a racing nerd. Uh, Anyway, I've got a 1080, not TI, just a 1080 that I'm looking to get rid of one way or another, and it may be sell it or if it would. I mean, I mean, it's you know, it's it's used and it's a 1080, so it's semi obsolete. But uh, if somebody makes it worth my while for a good way to get to to unload it, we'll see what we can do with it. All right, there you go, one video card to another. Tony Gross, final thoughts. Well, not a not a whole bunch to talk about. Because uh, I haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm kind of hibernating. Um, managed to do some racing. Uh, did the B car there last week before I did a race, and man, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that car is just great. Uh, the race was awesome. The finish was, was good. If I had another five or ten laps, I, I probably could have reeled in the leader, but I finished uh, second in that race. And uh, tried my hand at Pocono in the A-fixed uh, just before the podcast. And I tell you, that was probably one of the worst races I've ever been in. Um, I bet you 80% of that race was under caution. It was just terrible. And, of course, I got caught up and it was a second caution. I tagged trying to steer around the, the silliness. But, oh, well, what it is, I guess we're I should get my button gear uh, getting ready for, for Daytona. But, uh Oh, it's, it's good to be back. It was a lot of fun podcast. All right. Yeah, we're happy to have you back. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, Adam, Jocelyn, final thought. Uh, good, good podcast. Uh, looking forward to the podium 500 this weekend. going to be a big race, but I'm going to treat it like any other race and try to be there at the end and have a good uh, preseason warm-up, as I'm calling it. All right. I hope you can make the main event, and I'm hoping to spot for you if I can get in there somehow. But we yeah, know a couple people over at Podium. Maybe I'll figure out a way to get in there. All right. Uh, my final thoughts. Uh, first, a couple shout-outs. Uh, Justin Laird, James Pike, Taylor Burris, Performance Motorsports Network, Andy DeLay over at Burning Rubber Radio, uh, making friends over there. Uh, then my wheel, my DD1 wheel uh, this week, went to turn it on one day this week uh, like normal. And the fans came on at 100% immediately, really fast. It was loud. And I'm like, this isn't right. And so I turned it off. Turned it back on, same thing. Turned it off again. Third time I turned it on, it booted up normal. No fan noise. And it's been fine ever since. Uh, So I have no idea what went wrong. It is scary considering what happened with my wheel the first day I had it. And I had to get a second one and all that. So I don't know what's going on, but it's been two or three days in a row. It's been fine. Hopefully, knock on wood, I don't have a problem. So, But I uh, had fun this week watching David uh, race. David, you're getting really good at restrictor plate. Uh, you're, you're figuring out where to put that car. I think, uh, Adam, you were spotting for him. I was telling him which lane to get in, and 
uh, and he's getting it. So uh, good luck with your uh, run for the 500 as well. Pretty good wreck of OMC the other day. He, uh, the track was pretty much blocked, and he, he went to the bottom, bottom, bottom in the front stretch, and I was pretty impressed. I still damaged the car because I bounced it in a ditch. <laughs> went over a curb and down a culvert or something. All right, and with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.